I'm Stephen Rowe. I'm a physician scientist from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I'm an adult pulmonologist, specialist in cystic fibrosis care and research, and director of the Cystic Fibrosis Research Center at UAB. In this podcast today, I will be speaking about my presentation at ID Week, discussing a revised landscape of the cystic fibrosis lung. We stand on a strong understanding of the general underlying pathophysiology of cystic fibrosis. It's a monogenetic disease. It's caused by mutations in the cystic fibrosis transmembrane conductance regulator. That is an ion channel that sits on the surface of epithelial cells and serves to regulate anion transport and ultimately fluid regulation. This has important effects on the airway surface pH, the airway surface hydration levels, and consequently, mucus, how viscous it is, how adhesive it is to the epithelium, how well it can transport. In the lung, this underlying pathophysiology results in defective mucosillae clearance, abnormalities in host defense and bacterial killing that together begin the cycle of destruction that begins with mucus obstruction, results in infection, inflammation capitalizes upon this process, and this perpetuates the cycle of destruction that results in end-stage lung disease. There's still quite a bit uh, being learned about the various cell types and their role in the CF airway. The major groups of cells include the surface epithelial cells, the glands that produce abundant amounts of mucus into the airway, along with other regulatory cells in the airway epithelium. On top of that, there's inflammatory cells that enter the airway and into the interstitium that also uh, regulate this process. One of the learnings that's been occurring over the last few years in a more accelerated basis is how CFTR modulators that turn on CFTR, restoring its expression or restoring its function or both, have gone on to affect the lung in unexpected ways, including the effects on infection and inflammation. CFTR modulators were first made available for patients with CF just about seven years ago with the approval of Ivacaftor for patients with the G551D mutation. Subsequently, that's been expanded to other gating mutations and also other mutations in which it's active, that there's sufficient amounts of CFTR residing at the cell surface that can then go on to be activated. The experience with Ivacaftor has shown that this is in a group of medicines that we would call highly effective CFTR modulator therapy, and that the amount of CFTR function that's being restored is sufficient to have pronounced clinical benefit, including interrupting this cycle of mucus obstruction, infection, and ultimately inflammation of the lung. Now, one of the studies where we examined the effects of Ivacaftor in the post-approval environment was with the G551D observational study, a study we've called GOAL for short. The clinical experience with Ivacaftor in patients with G551D and these other closely related uh, gating mutations has shown that there's improved lung function, reductions in CF pulmonary exacerbations that are ordinarily infectious in nature, along with other improvements in, in quality of life. There's also been some unexpected improvements, and that's been reported for the infectious and inflammatious complications of cystic fibrosis. One of the prominent findings that came out of the G551D observational study that we helped lead among centers at the Therapeutics Development Network was that there was approximately 30% reduction in the rate of pseudomonas infection as detected by sputum analyses. This was uh, quite a surprise since the underlying dogma at the time was that 
Pseudomonas, once established, was very difficult to clear. Uh, this finding has held up uh, subsequent to that uh, initial study, both at uh, one- and two-year follow-up studies, and has also been supported by the observations of other groups of studies in this post-approval environment. One of those studies looked at the microbiome, published by Heisert and colleagues, who published their work in the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine in 2017, who looked at a subset of individuals uh, before and after the administration of Ivacaftor who all had cystic fibrosis with the G551D mutation and were being treated at a center in Ireland. And what they found was somewhat similar to the Gold Study, although there were some distinctions. For one, Pseudomonas aeruginosa CFU counts in the sputum did drop, especially over the first seven days. So they had a very acute readout on that effect. However, when they looked over a longer term period, just over three years, up through a thousand days, they did see after the first year of therapy, or specifically after day 400, that Pseudomonas did rebound. And although at the end of the study, it was a lower in CFU counts, a quantitative culture format, then the patients were at baseline, it did rebound by about 50% over the lowest effect, which peaked at about one year of therapy. This really tells us that while the effect of CFTR modulation is a substantial reduction in pseudomonas that is sustained long-term, the effect is most prominent in the first year, and the microbial milieu may be changing to adapt to this new Ivacaftor-treated environment of a modest CFTR function. They also did microbiome studies and showed that similar to that same time course, the Shannon diversity, a measure of how diverse the microbiome is, improved in that it was less diverse, more like a normal healthy airway, but this peaked at approximately 400 days after therapy was initiated and then rebounded somewhat. Recently, uh, the effects of the GOAL study have also been examined in the UK registry. So in a similar uh, post-approval cohort study, they looked at patients with the G551D mutation and what the effects were on the microbiology being reported in clinical laboratory specimens. And what they found was, just as in the GOAL study, a statistically significant and meaningful reduction in the number of patients that were positive for Pseudomonas aeruginosa of those patients that were treated with Ivacaftor compared to the comparator group that was not treated with Ivacaftor. This was not just limited to Pseudomonas aeruginosa, there was also a benefit in the annual prevalence rates of the sputum culture for aspergillus growth. This was also a secondary finding of the initial goal analysis, so it was very much consistent with that. Unlike Pseudomonas aeruginosa and aspergillus, Staph aureus and Burkholder serpatia rates did not change over the course of the three-year observation period after initiation of Ivacaftor. So overall, this was uh, quite uh, consistent. They did find that their association with pseudomonas reduction was also associated with a change in sweat chloride. Those patients who had the largest decrease in sweat chloride, which would reflect the best improvement in CFTR activity, were most likely to have a reduction in pseudomonas. So that really tells us that this seems to be an effect that's related to the mechanism of restoration of CFTR modulation. Some of the questions that we've asked since then about who 
is affected by eradication of Pseudomonas with the use of CFTR modulator therapy have been reported by Helsing uh, colleagues also as follow-up to the GOAL study. And what was found is that it was patients with slightly higher lung function were more likely to clear Pseudomonas than those with lower lung function. This is probably because of the underlying structural lung disease in patients with lower lung function works against uh, clearance of Pseudomonas. And the other major factor was those who had intermittent growth of Pseudomonas in the months or years prior to initiation of Ivacaftor had the greatest rates of clearance. Although patients with persistent Pseudomonas could also clear, their rates were considerably lower than those patients with intermittent Pseudomonas. So this is consistent with the idea that Ivacaftor therapy and highly effective CFTR modulator therapy shifts the balance somewhat towards uh, clearance of Pseudomonas, and those bugs that are less established are most amenable uh, to eradication. Some of the additional research that will need to be done uh, going forward is how can we tip the balance further? Is even higher levels of CFTR modulation enough, or do interventions need to be taken on the bacteria itself or the mucus itself? One could imagine therapies that are directed against biofilms or against mucus that would allow this ivacaftor mediated improvement in host defense to then uh, tip the balance even further such that uh, additional patients with Pseudomonas aeruginosa can encounter clearance even when the bug is more established. I think we'll see a research in that arena going forward, especially as highly effective CFTR modulator therapy uh, becomes more widespread. One of the key take-home messages from the session is that the advent of highly effective CFTR modulator therapy is really changing the face of CF lung. This is likely to accelerate in the next few years as more and more CFTR modulators come to available for CF patients, and the number of patients that are affected by highly effective CFTR modulation increases. We'll need to use research tools like the development of the CF rat and other animal models that are susceptible to chronic infection with Pseudomonas as tools to understand what are the mechanisms that are occurring that allow Pseudomonas to be cleared, and when it's not, how additional interventions might affect that. I want to thank the audience for listening to this podcast and point out that there's additional information at the links below where you can uh, read more. There's, this is also a rapidly emerging area, so there's very exciting science that's uh, being published almost on a monthly basis about the new effects of CFTR modulation and how this might impact chronic infection.